Hey y'all, my name is Jennifer Perkins and this is the Creative Queso Podcast. I hope you guys are doing swell and are having a great summer so far. Since we last chatted, I've decorated a Christmas tree for Pride Month, complete with DIY polymer clay rainbow ornaments, finally got my hot little hands on a copy of Grace Bonnie's new magazine, Good Company, it's worth the money, and recorded a yet-to-be-released podcast interview with the Crafty Hangout Girls, where I got to be the guest instead of the host. So that was fun. And the other thing I did this week is have a conversation with someone amazingly articulate and knowledgeable about the business of being creative and the creativity behind running a business. You know, the term boss, I'm using the air quotes, gets thrown around a lot these days. But today's guest, Emily Thompson, helped bring the term into your everyday vernacular. So like, unless you've been living under a small business podcasting rock, you have probably heard of today's guest, Emily Thompson, because she is one half of the podcast, Being Boss, that she runs with her business bestie, Kathleen. When Emily's not busy interviewing people like Brene Brown or Marie Forleo for her podcast, she is busy curating unique artisanal items for her store, Almanac Supply Company. I cannot wait for you to hear Emily and I chat about the difference of promoting tangible items like a store or a product versus more abstract things like podcasts. In the end, we come to the conclusion that business is business and there is always something to learn. This is just one of the many hot topics that we discuss in this episode. Today, speaking of learning, you are going to learn a lot. Like if you're out there thrift casting right now, you might want to pull over and take some serious notes. Emily is, after all, about to add TED Talk to her resume. So you know this episode is going to be good. Right. Hello, Emily. And I am so excited that you're here. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, of course. I'm kind of, you know, I'm sure as everyone does when they talk to you, I'm fangirling a little bit. You know how it is when you like. I wish my daughter would fangirl. Can we just like that happen? (laughs) How old's your daughter? She is 11. Oh, see, I've got a 10 year old in the other room and I kind of wish the same thing. Although I will say she's in there making um, pride ornaments for me out of polymer clay as I talk to you. I know. So winning. Exactly. She may not be fangirling, but she is working for me. And that is also an added bonus. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. So, you know, I was thinking when I was like doing all the research on you, would you call yourself a serial entrepreneur? Because I mean, you have, obviously, most people probably know you from the Being Boss podcast, but you also have Indie Shopography and now you have the Almanac Supply Company. I would not usually call myself a serial entrepreneur, but I do think I fall within that definition, yes. (laughs) You might not claim it, but you're there. I am there. I'm there. (laughs) So what was your first, like, what came first? And I don't mean, like, when I was 10, I sold friendship bracelets, like, in another life. I did do that. (laughs) Of course, as we all did, right? Like, sell them on the playground for a little extra money. But, you know, in a previous life, I used to have, like, a jewelry company called Naughty Secretary Club, and I was in the Austin Craft Mafia. So, like, what was your first, like, quote, big girl business? So, this is always sort of a hard story for me to tell because everybody's like, what? But (laughs) um, whenever I was 18, I bought a tanning salon. (laughs) Oh, right at 18. Wow. Yes, right at 18. It was this crazy scenario in which the opportunity became very easily, like, within my grasp. And so, I took it. So, when everyone else was, you know, getting drunk at frat parties, I was cleaning people's sweat out of dating beds <laughs> at a business that I owned. But that's, I mean, who buys a business at 18? Like it, at 18, I think I was like still working at a dry cleaners or Blockbuster video. Yeah, right. Um, it was an amazing experience. Like I said, it was just like this wonderful scenario equated to me being able to purchase this tanning salon that I ran for about two and a half years. Um, and I ran it on the Gulf Coast. So we were living in Mobile at the time, Mobile, Alabama. And um, it was a ton of fun. 
and then Hurricane Katrina hit <laughs> and oh, people no. stopped paying for tanning for a while. Um, and I was also in college trying to get a degree, all these things. So I ended up selling the salon. So I also sold my first business at the age of 20 and um, ended up going back to college. Well, I guess I never left college, continuing my education. Um, and then ended up doing a jewelry business online about four years later, three or four years later. But that tanning salon business was my first foray into business. And even though I was going to school to be a geographer of all things, and I never right. took a business class at all because <laughs> I was actually running a business in college. Um <laughs> I always knew that business would be a very large part of what I would what I would do with my life. And I even have this very vivid memory. And I think this might have been a while I was selling this lawn. I can't remember exactly when in the timeline this was, but I very vividly vividly remember sitting in my car in the parking lot at my tanning salon thinking this would not be the last time that I was a business owner. And I was right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's good to like you cut your teeth so early and now you now you're back to it's the polar opposite of a tanning salon. Now, with <laughs> from what I gather, with Almanac Supply Company, you're like crystals and hand-poured candles and very, like, of the earth and nature. But, I mean, you know, you cut your teeth on the tanning salon with owning a physical business, so. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I look back, and I feel like I've run a pretty a pretty broad spectrum of businesses. Um, and for a long time, it kind of made no sense to me. I was like, people are going to think I'm crazy. I think I'm crazy. What am I doing? But I was just sort of following this path of, you know, these opportunities that were given to me and learning everything I could along the way so that now I can look back on it and see that it all makes sense. Like I was learning skills along the way. I had, you know, a lease on a commercial space at the age of 18 and David and I, or my partner David and I are, you know, currently looking at buying a commercial building. Like, and knowing that I'm going into it now, knowing that, or knowing so many more things because I had that experience, you know, 25, no, was it 25? Was it 25 years ago? No, like 15 no. years ago. Yeah, 15, yeah. 15, whoa. I just I know, felt I know. for a second. Um, about 15 years ago or so. So um, it's funny you know, I always thought it was, I felt a little nuts going through all the things, but now I see how, when, and where everything was important for me to experience it so that I can be where I am now with all the experience, uh, with all of the knowledge, all of the friends and connections and, um, all of the sort of tools in my tool belt, um, that I need to do what I do now so much more efficiently and effectively. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the beauty of running all these other all these other businesses. And sometimes you can look back and say, oh, I didn't realize it at the time, but this is so relevant to what I do now. And like, did you end up getting a geography degree? Is that what you have your degree in? It is. It is what my degree is in. Um, and I love it. <laughs> and, that, and now it's kind of relevant to what you do now. It's funny. I have a psych degree and I was just like, I never use this. I'm a crafter. But now it's like, I talk to people about business. So I'm kind of talking to people. Like yeah. it, it comes full circle. It does. It does come full circle. And, you know, for a long time, I resented that degree a lot because for years I paid it off. <laughs> I paid yeah. for my student loans as a web designer. Um, so paying for student loans for a geography degree as a web designer for, you know, six, seven years or so, um, I resented it <laughs> quite a bit. Um, but then I started getting over it, especially it was easy to get over it once I stopped paying that monthly bill. <laughs> and um, and I came to terms with it. And now I realize how much more enriched my life is because I have that education. And especially that one in particular. Like I'm a total geography nerd. I will, you know, freak out about some public school's lack of geography education all day long. Like it's very important for us all to have um, – the skills and knowledge within our within our skill set, and I'm so glad that now I can bring that um, that interest first of all and experience and knowledge into Almanac Supply Company and really apply some of the things that I learned to the business that I created from all of the business experience that I have. Um, you're right, completely full circle. Yeah, and so now talking about Almanac Supply Company, had you always, because as I knew you, you had, I guess now that I know you have the tanning salon, you have had a physical <laughs> store, but I always thought of you as like an on, you know, an online presence. Um, had you always wanted to like own a physical store again and sell 
products. I guess before it was like not an activity. That's not the word I would use for tanning, but kind of, you know, <laughs> and you always wanted to like have your own store so that you could curate these things to sell. Yes, for sure. That was actually one of the things I did with the tanning salon. Part of that unique scenario that I found myself in was the woman who owned it previously had pretty much just run into the ground. And so one of the first things I did was, you know, not only cleaned it up a ton, but I also rebuilt back up the retail side of that business because a large part of of um, paying rent for commercial space is having your commercial space, like the actual space pay the rent. And you do that by having product, um, Mm -hmm. by having something in there that people can buy to help you pay your rent. So, um, so that was one of the first things I did and I love doing that. It was a ton of fun. And then whenever I started my web design business several years later, um, I did that completely remote for probably five years or so. And then we went and had, uh, we got a physical studio space. So I hired a team. We, we worked together in, that space. So even though we were in quote unquote online business, we were very much so a local business. And I was working with a lot of local clients. We were having events and meetups and all kinds of fun things within this physical space. And then, um, yes, one of my one of my dreams has always been to get back into retail and really into retail. One of my college jobs was at a um, interior interior design store. Um, I was a sales associate and then an assistant manager, and I love the retail world. I love how simple the numbers are, and I say simple in air quotes. Um, <laughs> simple the numbers are with retail. Um, how it's just it's just all a really fantastic number game. My my brain really really works in that. Space space. Um, so it was always a goal. So even though, and actually not even, even though, because I was building online businesses for all of these other creatives, including these really great websites for t-shirt designers or jewelry makers or people who were curating product, it made me want my own all the more. So every time I would launch one of their websites, I was just wishing that it had been mine that I was launching um, because I always really wanted to get back into that space. Um, So again, even though like everyone sort of seen me on this path of, you know, web design and then the podcast, um, it really has been retail and almanac that I always wanted to get into. I just need to gain the skills and sort of bide my time until it was time for it to happen. Um, but yes, retail, doing product, making and curating product has always been been on my radar. It was just waiting for the right time to do it. Yeah, now apparently is your time. I mean, the website looks beautiful and the pictures I've seen at the store look amazing. So now what parts there... Explain a little bit about what you guys sell for people that don't know, because you do have an online presence if you don't, you know, make it to your neck of the woods. But what parts there are you making specifically there in-house that you'll sure. sell? So the idea behind Almanac Supply Company is to help people live with the seasons and to connect to the um, rhythms of the rhythms of nature. So we um our first product is candles that was the first thing we launched with again going very strategically through making and curating the idea was to create some candles um that were season themes so spring summer autumn and winter candles and we make all of those in-house um my partner david makes them he's become this really great chandler which we have discovered is the name of a candle maker <laughs> who, who knew right? fun Every, facts everyone learned something today some vocabulary <laughs> words um so we make the candles in-house and there are a couple other things that we make in-house as well we um recently dove into making um gemstone bracelets, for example. Actually, my daughter and I have made the first batch of those. ton of fun. Um, And we also partner with some local creatives to make some things as well. So part of my, you know, business working with creatives is I love partnering with creatives to collaborate on creating products. So one of the first things that we did was we worked with a local woodworker to create crystal shelves. Um, So they're these beautiful walnut shelves that are wonderful quality and locally made. Um, Oh, I saw them. They're triangular, right? They are triangular. Yeah, they're they're so nice. Breathtaking. They are such good quality. We were super pleased with those. Um, We also partnered with a local graphic designer and screen printer to do t-shirts and bandanas. Um, And then we also source things from elsewhere as well. So the crystals, of course, no one's making those. Mother Nature is making those in caves (laughs) somewhere. So we source those from all over the world. Um, And then there are other makers that I've I've, uh, met 
through the work that I've done all over the country that I'm sourcing either handmade goods or things that they're curating themselves. So Again, it's been all these years of making these connections and sort of creating these systems systems for myself for working with creatives because they are an interesting bunch to work with. For right. Sure. <laughs> that um, there's a whole array of products that either are made in house by us, um, or are made by creatives that we know or are sourced from other places in the world. Amazing. And now you guys have a space for workshops as well. What kind of workshops are y'all having, or have you had any yet? We uh, we did one workshop. Um, we will do more of them. We're working on a couple of um, of other things. We need a better workshop space. Our current space is um, we're growing out of it very quickly. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Well, there's there's um, worse problems to have. There there is. So we got this space thinking, oh, we're going to have workshops every weekend. It's going to be great. But once we actually moved in there and started making, we're like, there is no place in here for workshops. Um, so. Um, so we have been to other places though to do workshops. So a local tea shop. Um, the idea is to teach people what living seasonally really looks like. So we've done some workshops around that. Um, I want to do workshops on crystal grids, which are a ton of fun. We sell crystal grid kits in our shop, and people are always like, well, what do you do with these? Um, so <laughs> it's very important for us to show people how it is that you can use these things. Um, and then I just I have a million ideas for workshops that I want to do because as much of a business person as I am, I think also deep down, though not very deep, it's pretty surface, um, I'm also a <laughs> teacher. Like I love teaching people how to do things. Um, and whereas I've been teaching people business for a really long time, um, I'm really in this place where I want to talk business less and just do business. And I want to teach people other things. Yeah, no, you get there. I mean, I'm kind of the flip of you, but yeah, you definitely hit that like burnout. Not that I'm hitting crafty burnout, but it's like I've been making for 20 years and it's like, I just want to talk about making for a little bit. Like yeah. fewer, <laughs> fewer hot glue gun burns, more talking uh, about yeah. the making. <laughs> no, I, I completely get that. Um, So let's go real quick into the world of being boss, which you co-host with your business Beth, bestie, Kathleen. Um, I have a I was curious about the way that you have probably had to transition a bit from how to promote like a physical product or an online, like a store, as opposed to how you would promote your podcast. Has that been, since there's been a little bit of time since the last time you had retail space, has that been a difficult transition for you or pretty seamless? It's so funny because my first business, the tanning salon, was I think at about the time I got Facebook as a student. And at that time, you could only get on Facebook if your school was a part of like the Facebook network. So like, imagine that day <laughs> many, many years ago when when that was how you got on Facebook. And I remember like kicking and screaming because I loved MySpace. <laughs> right. Girl, I'm old enough to remember Friendster. So yeah. 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 I know. It was heart-wrenching for to see. Right. Um, so my first business experience with a brick and mortar was with no social media. Like if you wanted to get new customers, you created flyers and you handed them out or you told everyone or this crazy thing, you simply provided amazing customer experience. And right. Or the yellow told, pages. Right. Or the yellow pages, right? <laughs> um, I was in someone's car recently and they had a phone book in there and I'm like, what is this? Right. It's like an antique now. I still do this. Um, so it's very different now <laughs> than what than what it was way back then. But I will say that, again, one of the things that, um, that I have learned over my years of doing all the things that I have done is um, I'm not jumping into it now going, well, what do I do now? I've been doing it for years as I started building whenever, even whenever I started building websites, I don't even think a business could have a Facebook page. Like you, everyone at that point could get on Facebook, but there was no Facebook pages for businesses at that point. Mm -hmm. um, so I sort of grew up in the online world with social media. I remember when Twitter became a thing. Um, I met Ben Silverman before Pinterest was big. Um, there's, I've, been around to watch all of these social media platforms be born and grow. Um, and as I've done being boss and, you know, my uh, web design business, I've tested them out, I've played with them, and I've sort of seen what works and doesn't work. And I also know that what works today will not work tomorrow, mm -hmm. <laughs> is constantly figuring out what's going to work. And I've been able to pretty much pretty much apply the exact same things to my brick and mortar store. There's not much of a difference. And at being boss, the podcast, we talk a whole lot 
specifically, no, not even specifically, a lot of times we're accidentally talking specifically to service-based businesses because whenever Kathleen and I started the podcast, we were both in service-based businesses, even though I've had experience in brick and mortar and product prior to that. It's just, that's what we're in. So that's what we talk about. And we always get email from people going, well, what if I make product? What if I'm a t-shirt designer? What if I, you know, what if I source scarves from all over the world? Um, and our answer is always the same. The exact same rules apply. Just enjoy that mindset shift in there whenever you hear us talking about, about how it is that we are promoting ourselves as web designers or you know a branding agency. Um, it all applies across mm-hmm. the board. There's not much of a difference between how I sell an e-course and how I sell the next season's candle. I guess, you know, that makes total sense. And I'm one to say, like, you know, business is business and creativity is creativity. You know what I mean? In the grand scheme of things, you can read an article about business and it can be a completely different business than yours, but it can be still applicable to what you do. But, you know, I personally, I had no problem when I had like a physical thing to sell somehow in my mind, like if there was like this tangible item. But Mm -hmm. a podcast seemed so like, abstract, I find that that's a harder thing to promote than say like a store or an event or a piece of jewelry, like. Only in your mind. I know. (laughs) Right. I need to order that crystal grid and I need to think hard, deep thoughts about this and move on. So speaking of that, like saying, you know, I'm got the mental block on like how to market these things. What would be your number one piece of advice for someone trying to get their podcast heard because, you know, there's not a lot of, nobody's written a great book on it or, you know, or, you know, I know Pat Flynn has lots of information on there, but like the thing everybody says is like, be a guest on someone else's podcast. But like, what would you say like would be like one of your tips besides, you know, obviously like have great content. Right. (laughs) Have great content. Um, (laughs) No, I think it's enjoy your content. How about that? Because you can have great content, but sound like a drone, you know, sharing it. Um, and but if it's something that you're passionate about, there's something, there's something that happens in in your voice even that makes it that much more interesting and engaging, and makes people want to show up again. And I this think, too. I think that that is. I think that that is one of the keys to the popularity of podcasts and how it is that so many podcasts have been able to grow as quickly as they have and why it is that podcast fans are unlike any kind of fandom for sure. And it's literally because they can hear your voice. Mm-hmm. There's something that happens in your brain. <laughs> and I don't know exactly what this is. Um, but I think that you can, whenever you're sharing your content, if you are passionate about it, people will notice. Um, so great content, but be passionate about it for sure. And then tell people about it. Um, all too often I'm talking to someone who has spent so much time and energy, you know, creating their podcast, putting it out into the world. And they're very unsure as to know why no one is listening. And I always ask them, well, who have you told about it? And they're like, well, my mom. <laughs> Like, no, you have to tell everyone. Of, like, send it to every, send a blast email to everyone you know. That That's not actually the best. Um, but <laughs> right. basically, basically do that. You have to tell people about it just like you would anything else. And I think, too, because, and same thing with, like, people can hear the passion in your voice. I think we feel more vulnerable around this medium than, you know, writing a blog post or even creating a crafting a thing. Um, because how many of us, all of us would say that we hate the sound of our own voice, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Everyone's biggest pet peeve, um, especially whenever it comes to recording themselves and sharing it with other people. So there is some legit vulnerability about it, which keeps people from sharing it to the extent that they would share anything else. No, it's true. I, I mean, I did television for years and somebody the other day asked me like, how many episodes did you, like, have you seen? And I was like, well, I did 120 episodes. It was a daily show and I've probably seen two because it's like, <laughs> you think you don't want to hear your own voice. Try watching yourself on television. Oh, that would it's be like, hard. But you're, but you're exactly right. That's a good tip about the being excited because like, are you familiar with Andy J Pizza from Creative yes. Pet Talk? I yes. mean, that guy, like, I swear he's going to put a restraining order on me. I keep talking about him on every episode, but he is. He's like so excited and passionate about his content. I'm yeah. like, 
And he's it, doing like, a great job. And he's doing such a great job. And it's it's because people can tell. People can tell if you're showing up with everything you have or if you're just showing up because your sponsor's paying you. Right, exactly. Well, I don't have that problem yet. So it's com- <laughs> it's completely legit here. It's straight from the okay, heart. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, speaking of sponsors and all that kind of stuff, was there, you know, you guys have had some ridiculously amazing guests that I probably would like pass out from nervousness before I could talk to, you know, Brene Brown or Murray Forleo or one of these people. But was there, would you say for being boss, was there a single guest or episode or press feature that was kind of your turning point, as it were, you know, that really kind of set wheels in motion for you? I mean, that Brene Brown episode, I mean, you can you beat Brene Brown? I mean, you really... <laughs> You, I mean, I'm partial as a Texan, but no, probably uh, yeah. not. <laughs> I, I mean, that one that one was really big. For, so there's a couple. Actually, first and foremost, or the first one that happened um, in, you know, a timeline would have been Shalene Johnson. Um, Shalene Johnson is big um, in the beach body world um, and is huge in the marketing world as well. Um, so... Well, he had mentioned her. I think I had mentioned a book that I had read by her or something. And then I think we like shouted her out on Instagram whenever we were sharing it. And then she, her people got in touch with us to see if we would have her on the show. And we were like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we will. Right? And so that one, and that, I think she was within our first 10 episodes or so, or at least our first 15 episodes. I could be wrong about that, but it was very, very early on. Um, and so that was a really big early win for us is, you know, we had just shouted her out on social media and then she got in touch with us. We were like, this is the craziest thing ever. So that was a big one. Um, Brene Brown, for sure, that conversation was life-changing, like just to be sitting there talking to her in real time for real (laughs) and being able to ask her my questions and listen to her answers um, was a really big one. That was also a little bit of a shoe in though, because Kathleen, um, Kathleen and her sister and her branding agency, they work with Brene. So it wasn't like we shouted her out on social media. Um, Kathleen has actually literally sat in her living room before. So Uh um, that one was a little bit easier, but was still just as amazing as everyone would think it would be. Um, and then Marie Forleo was also a really, really good one for us. I also, actually, that one was episode 111. So there's like a little bit of number magic there where uh, where talking to her, she was so warm and kind and genuine and an amazing person to talk to. And we've talked to enough people that we know who's a total boss at being interviewed and, you know, having conversations with people they've literally never met before, but being able to make it sound like they'd been friends forever. She was one of those people mm-hmm. um, and was just really kind and very generous with with the information that she was giving. So um, I think those three were probably three of my biggest ones. I feel like I'm forgetting one. It may come to me in about five minutes and I'll shout it out. <laughs> <laughs> if you forget, you can email me and I can put it in the show notes. But those are definitely the ones scanning through your list. And um, Kathy Heller as well, who I'm also a fan of her podcast. Those, But the ones you mentioned were the yeah. ones I was like, those are some big ones. Yeah, yeah. And what's crazy about this, and one of the things that I never expected, because those are the big ones and definitely getting big names is always a big deal. Um, but we've had some really moving conversations with people who are just starting their business. Um, Tiffany Ima is one that I remember after having that conversation being like, I love baby bosses. And not that she's a baby boss. And I will also say that our bosses call themselves baby bosses. I did not give mm-hmm. them that name. They gave themselves <laughs> that name. Um, you know, people who are just sort of in it, who are just starting out and getting going. Um, we've had several conversations like that. But one of the things that I didn't realize going into the podcast was just how transformational those conversations would be for me. Uh, on some level, I thought, okay, we're having these for our audience, which is great. Um, but they were huge for Kathleen and I as well, being able to talk to these people and sort of talk through these these topics or sort them out, you know, before, during, and after. Um, I can attribute so much of my personal transformation just through having the you know, 200 plus conversations that I've had with Kathleen and some of the most amazing bosses um, that are working the internet these days. Yeah, no, I, it's funny. I always say like these, the podcast episodes, 
that I've had so far that all the conversations end up, I feel like they turn into like little mini masterminds for for me and for the guests, which are amazing and wasn't necessarily my like intention in the first place, but it's been a nice side effect that I wasn't expecting. It is. We're saying it didn't expect it, but like is my favorite part. Yeah. You know, sometimes there's that like, you know, you take one path and you take another path and then you're like, but wait, like I didn't expect to find this on this path. This wasn't what I thought was like what I was supposed to be looking for, but there it is. And it's awesome. And I'm so glad I found it. Yeah. Yeah. One of those kind of things. So speaking of masterminds and master classes, so you've had, um, you've spun being boss into several kind of related side businesses or not necessarily side businesses, but you guys also offer you know, online classes, you have your retreats. I know y'all have one coming up in um, Guatemala. And then you had your book deal uh, last year. You had your book come out. So how, like, important to the, like, the podcast have, like, which came, like, which came first? I'm kind of phrasing this poorly. Like, do you think that, like, the podcast and the popularity help push these other adventures? Or do you think, like, your retreats and your master classes help push people to your podcast? I don't even know anymore. <laughs> I can tell you what happened. Right? I can tell you how or like what the timeline was, but I will tell you that I don't know anymore. <laughs> I just don't know. That's a good so, place to be. <laughs> so we started the podcast because Kathleen and I just wanted to create something together. I remember having this sort of like weird epiphany one day. I was like, I want to start a podcast. And I wasn't even really listening to podcasts. And that was before anyone was really listening to podcasts. That was when Serial was a big deal. Like the first <laughs> – season of serial and invisibilia. Like that's, that's when back those, in podcast prehistoric days. Basically, when only NPR was doing podcasts. <laughs> I had this idea and I wasn't even listening to serial. I'll put that in there too. I was only listening to Invisibilia. Um I had this idea that I wanted to start a podcast and that I wanted to to gear it towards creative business owners or creative entrepreneurs. And I really wanted to do it with my friend Kathleen. We were having these monthly um, business bestie conversations is what we were having or what we were calling them. We were just getting on Skype and chatting with each other about what was working and not working in our business. And we loved it. And we got so much value out of it. We were just like mini masterminding basically once a month or so. And I was like, these conversations are so valuable to me that they have to be valuable to other people. So why not give it a go? And so I pitched it to her. A little bit of conversation had to be had. And then she was a yes. Um, And we launched within a month of her saying yes. And we launched our first episode. We were like, we're going to do an episode a week. Um, And we just wanted to make something together. We'd been having these business bestie conversations for a couple of years. We had never like really done anything together. Um, And we're both very creatives, like very like on it with getting stuff done. Really, let's try this out and see what happens. Um, Within a couple of weeks, we had what we thought was a ton of listeners, maybe like, you know, a thousand a week or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just kept growing. It kept growing and people were sharing it on social media and our list was growing and we were blown away. And the idea was that we would do the first 10 or so episodes, just the two of us. Um, and then we would start bringing in um, some guests. And then maybe at about 20 episodes, 20, 30 episodes in, we would start pitching sponsors just to see, because we didn't know. Um Sponsors came to us within about 10, 12 weeks. Um, Fresh Books contacted us. Someone in their office was listening to the podcast and they thought that it'd be a great fit for their sponsorships. Um, so they contacted us and was like, hey, we want to give you money. And we were like, hey, we want to take it. Um, <laughs> so we got sponsors and then we just kept podcasting and it just kept growing. Like the listenership just kept growing and growing. The social media um, exchange was growing and growing. We decided to open up a Facebook group so that people could connect with each other because bosses are the coolest people on the planet. Um, and that started growing and growing and a couple months into it, we were so blown away and so excited. Kathleen and I decided we wanted to go on a trip together. Right, let's go to New Orleans. It'll be so much fun. What if we were to invite our listeners to come with us? Like, you know, 10, 20 people max will show up. It'll be great. 80 people later, we had our first Being Boss vacation. And we were ill-prepared, but it was the most amazing thing we've ever done. A total success. Um, we did a live podcast recording. And we, um, let's see, what did we do that first year? I think we just had like a cocktail party. It was pretty minimal, but a blast. Um, and then six months later, we did another vacation in Miami where we went, we uh, partnered with FreshBooks again to rent a yacht, which was Ooh. low-key. Um, and 
it, it all just sort of started snowballing from there. That Facebook group grew to 25,000 people within about two years. We ended up shutting it down because it was too much. It was too much. <laughs> Facebook people are crazy. Um, oh, and so we ended up shutting down the group. Um, we got contacted by a couple of book agents to rep us for a book, but nothing felt quite right until one came along that felt quite right. Um, so we did a book proposal. We pitched it. We got a book deal. Um, and then Kathleen and I wrote the book together in about three months. It was super fast, but one of the most fun projects that we've ever done. We'd had another vacation and then another vacation and the book come out. So it all just sort of built on each other. And I can't express enough. I'm a very strategic person. I can't express that enough for sure, but I also can't express enough how accidental all of this has been. <laughs> so all strategy aside, um, it's been and not even accidental in that we don't deserve it <laughs> because Kathleen and I were showing up and sharing content and doing great work for our clients in the creative entrepreneur realm and showing up for our own businesses and our own entrepreneurship for you know almost a decade before we started the podcast, um, so that once it was ready to happen, it was all ready to happen. Mm -hmm. And it just sort of started building on itself after that. And, you know, the book was something Kathleen and I for years had been talking about wanting to write a book. We had never dreamed it would be together. We always had these imaginings of doing this thing separately, but whenever it came time to do one and it was together, we were like, that's even better than either of us, you know, would have ever imagined. Um, and then the vacations was just us inviting along the people who were hanging out with us in their ears. <laughs> and these people have, you know, shown up for us time and time again and are telling all of their friends about the podcast and inviting their business besties on vacation with them and all of these things. It's It's been amazing to, to have accidentally built this kind of community of people who are there for each other and are there for us. Um and it's been a pleasure for Kathleen and I to be able to be, you know, in a position where we can create and share content. So starting with the podcast and the book, and then came these masterclasses, which are actually a product of the clubhouse that we did a couple of years ago. There was about a year that Kathleen and I dove really hardcore into coaching creative entrepreneurs within the context of being boss. And then we sort of packaged up a lot of that content that we had done within that uh, within that group coaching sphere and repurposed it in the form of the CEO Day Kit, which is one of our courses um, at Being Boss and the, these little master classes that are like extra little pieces um, of information that can help you do things like grow your email list or, you know, host a webinar or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. um, so that was just birthed out of, again, these people were showing up on vacation. They kept asking us, how can we work with you? How can we work with you? You know, they don't need a branding, which Kathleen did. They didn't need a website. They needed us. They needed like being boss goodness poured in them. Um, so that was the coaching, which ended up being these digital products. So we've just sort of ridden the wave. It's mm -hmm. really the best way I can explain it and have showed up for it every step of the way and every bit that we can. But after the book came out, it all changed. <laughs> it all About a month before the book came out, the book came out in April of 2018 was when GDPR became a thing. So if mm -hmm. no one is familiar, the European Union passed um, passed some legislation that changed the way websites could collect information. And so that's everything from, you know, whether Google Analytics can track them coming to your site at all, or how it is that you collect their email addresses and those sorts of things. And after that hit, I saw a lot of things, a lot of the inner workings of the internet shift and change. And Kathleen and I sort of took a step back. And one, at that point, we had done hundreds of episodes of the podcast, both the full episodes and the mini-sodes. Uh, we had created the book, which we felt like was sort of this like pinnacle thing of this thing that we that we, we didn't accidentally create the podcast, but we did create it as a passion project. We never meant for it to be a business at all. <laughs> like, <laughs> Surprise. Right. Uh, and let alone, you know, a multi-year project that would turn into multimedia, um, where we were doing so many, so many things. So 
once uh, once GDPR hit, we started seeing how some things were changing and shifting, and we both had to get really clear on what it is that we want to do with our lives. Did we want to be professional podcasters, which sure, it's fun, but we also still have our own businesses that we were running. She still has her branding agency. I still had my web design agency. And at the time of publishing the book, I had just started Almanac as well. Um, so we have sort of started stepping back from a lot of things at Being Boss. We're only publishing once a month now. Even Mm -hmm. for years, we published every single week. But here's why I say I have no idea how this works anymore. Because (laughs) our listenership is larger than it has ever been. (laughs) Even as we're stepping back to, you know, record less, to put less things out. And, you know, I don't want to say that the internet is saturated with what it is that we're doing, but it is. Like, Mm -hmm. there's so many things going on out there around creative entrepreneurship. And again, Kathleen and I have been talking business for so long. They were ready to just get back to doing business. Um, but the wave that brought us on to being boss, it hasn't dropped us off, but it's definitely getting bigger than us in a way that at this point, all we can do is sit back and watch and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, you know, it's good that you guys have these other things going on. You know what I mean? So it's like, if you want to take a step back, Obviously, yeah. it's totally fine. You'll take a step back, but you have other things going on to keep you busy. It's not like, well, you know, you guys are seem to both be like multi-potentialites and have lots of other things going on and other businesses. So We are not at a lack for to-dos on our task list. I mean, like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, between you with like stores and kids, and then I heard her say she just bought a new house that she's going to do. So. Oh, yeah. So many. And, I know how that goes. So, you know, you created this mastermind group like online via the podcast, but you and I over email, you mentioned that you really believe in the power of a mastermind group besides like the podcast that, you know, when you're talking to other guests or with Kathleen, do you, are you a member of any like mastermind groups or? Yes, I am. I I am a member of one, but I also run one as well. So one of the things, whenever we stopped doing the clubhouse, which was the group coaching that we were doing at Being Boss, um, I still love doing mastermind groups. I had done them for years before that, and I didn't do them for a little while after we, you know, wrote the book and we launched the book, which was, you know, this whole whole thing in itself. Whenever we stop doing that. And we, Kathleen and I knew we were going to back off the podcast a little bit. I was like, you know, I love Almanac very much, but I don't think, I don't think I'm a hundred percent ready to leave my creative entrepreneurs behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to start a mastermind. I've run two of them in the past year. Um, I do a mastermind with a group of three or four creative business owners, and we do a retreat. I actually have people. My current group is coming to Chattanooga tomorrow. They'll be here tomorrow for a couple of days, um, which I love doing. I love getting in there with creative business owners and helping them figure out, you know, their mindset, setting boundaries for themselves, really working on their systems and and optimizing the work that they're doing so that they can really enjoy the work that they do. So I love doing masterminds a ton. I also am going to, I'm running a little mastermind group in New Orleans. So we decided to not do the vacation this year. Again, part of that, just stepping back from being boss and just seeing what happens. But I love taking creative business owners to New Orleans so much. So I decided that I wanted to do just like a one-off mastermind um, session in New Orleans. I invited some of my favorite, some of my favorite bosses, including a lot of people who have been to past New Orleans vacations with us. Um, I'm doing that in October. So it's still very much so a part of what I do. I'm just doing it very low-key and under the radar um, Mm -hmm. with people who are pretty close to me. And then um, I also have my own mastermind group. So I don't have it. I'm part of one where I'm um, in a group of, I think there are four of us, um, folks who have been in their business for 15, 20 years. Um, A couple of them are making million dollars or more and. In that space, I can talk about the things that are relevant to my business. So what does it look like to hire a CFO, for example, which is very different from the kinds of conversations I'm having with a mastermind group that I run where they're just trying to figure out how to hire their first VA. Um, So how to hire a CFO or 
you know, what does it look like to really up-level your marketing team? <laughs> Those sorts of things. So I think I think on both levels, I find masterminding very fulfilling. And a lot of this comes from, you know, what has come out of Kathleen and I masterminding together for all of these years is even just the two of us. We spent years having these, these duo conversations, just the two of us that really helped me along in my business. And it even, it turned into a passion project turned business that made us, made us love the work that we do on a completely different level, but also made a good bit of revenue and created a community that we could never have imagined. And that has definitely flowed into me having a very dear love for sharing business experiences with people who are close to me. And it's very different from what I do on the podcast where I'm just like talking into the void almost, except I am doing it with Kathleen. But being able to really sit down with some creatives, either as the person who is running a group or as being part of a group, um, I always will find or I will always make the time for in my business because being able to have sounding boards, being able to run ideas by people and brainstorm solutions to problems um, is the kind of thing that creative business owners who find themselves feeling alone or unsure of their next step, masterminds are the kind of things that find you out of that and then much further along in the process because someone else has dealt with what you're dealing with. Someone else can benefit from the things that you've dealt with. And together, we all go so much further than if we're just trying to do it on our own. Yeah, and there's just always so much magic and synergy that, you know, whether you're a part of one or you run one, like, sometimes I find that business owners have trouble seeing the forest for the trees and they just need that other person to be there with them and go like, but what about if you did it this way? You know? And it's like, oh yeah. Like I didn't even think about that. Yes. Those aha moments are so real. Whenever you get a couple of really smart, amazing creative business owners in a room together, like talk about the potential to change the world. Mm -hmm. No, I completely agree. You know, sometimes I wish it's funny. I've been to a couple of different business conferences recently and I find that even within this podcast space and online or the conference area, there seems to either, they're either geared at people that are like just getting started, kind of figuring things out. Or, you know, I have friends that are in masterminds, like you mentioned, with people that are running million dollar companies. But it's like, I feel sometimes like there's a missing spot for the people in between that run successful companies and are have, you know, having manufacturers or, you know, growing pains that are good growing pains, like come up and they're just not, you know, sure how to level all that. And I think sometimes like a good mastermind group is a good place for those people to go. Like, I already know how to build a website. I already know about branding. I already know about VAs, but then like, I'm not making a million dollars, you know, like middle ground is a good place too for for sure. And that's the place, the space that I love to play in. I think I mentioned earlier, like hiring your first VA, but I feel like even that's, that's even a little beginner. I love the people who have like just broken a hundred K. That's broken their first hundred K and they're trying to figure out how to make it to two, three, four. Um, mm-hmm. Or they're on the verge of breaking their first hundred K. I think because the, that's a place where you have, like you're taking the training wheels off. Like those yeah. have been taken off. You've done, you know how social media works. You know, you definitely probably have that first VA, probably your first like legit assistant or even like someone who's running your social media or definitely mm-hmm. a bookkeeper. Like, you know, some of those basic things are in place, but you want to know how to scale. And and I agree with you. That's a place where there I think it's underserved, but the pains there are just as real as if you are just starting out or if you are already making your first million because that's the place where the first bits of scaling have to really start happening. And if you've never done it before, you're clueless. Exactly. Scaling is the exact word I'm looking for. Like, you know what you're doing. You clearly can run a successful business. You just don't know how to scale it to a, like, you know, holy crap, that's an amazing business level. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That should be your next, you know, if you do a next mastermind group, it should be like makers in the middle. That's what I've already got. I've already got an alliterated name for the group. Like there it is. I love it. I love it. Makers in the middle mastermind. Yeah. 
Triple M's. All right. So I'm going to start like wrapping up here. I got three last questions for you. Awesome. So first, you're going to do a TED Talk. Ooh. That's that's amazing. <laughs> Tell me about this TED Talk. I was like, what? I'm so excited about this. This why I have a deadline at the end of this week that I have to get done before my mastermind <laughs> group shows up tomorrow. So you know what I'll be doing as soon as we're done here. Um, so... I got invited to do a TED Talk in my hometown in Alabama. I'm very excited about it. Um, I'm very excited about the group that I'll be with and the people who are putting it on. Most of them are friends of mine. Um, but also amazing opportunity. Like when I was asked, I was like, are you kidding me? Me? Really? <laughs> but sure, I guess. Um and I see this as the evolution of my content. So it's in a place where I haven't really spoken very much on it. It's the stuff that's happening behind the scenes. So I'm talking about, you know, Instagram and email marketing and all of these things like on the podcast because people still eat that stuff up and that's what they're asking for. I've been working on the next phase of my content for quite some time. And I feel like the TED Talk or the TEDx Talk technically um, <laughs> is um, – is almost like my coming out party for for this evolution of my content. So it's Ooh. next level being boss. And it's the marriage of, of being boss and Almanac Supply Co. So a place where those two things can sort of merge together or where you can see, um, see the bridge between the two. Because I do think that um, – I think that a connection with nature and, um, spoiler alert, the uh, connecting with the flow of the seasons can very greatly assist in all of us like high-powered go-getter entrepreneur types who find ourselves either on the verge of burnout or deep within it. Um, and so I've been playing with this content for a while and doing lots of research. And at this point for like two, two and a half years now, um, and I had always imagined it being a book and I think it, may still be. I may or may not have sent an outline to my book agent literally <laughs> yesterday. Um, <laughs> but um, but this talk was a really great opportunity for me to, to actually put this content into words and share it with the world. And so I'm really excited about it. Um, I have my first draft written. Um, I'm feeling super good about it. Um, whenever I got asked, my first thought was like, okay, being boss content will fall out of my mouth. Like that would be the easiest thing for me to give this TEDx talk on. Um, I was like, but that's too easy. <laughs> like, when do I ever do anything easy? Um, so I decided that this would be the platform where I would, I would finally sort of take being boss to the next level. And again, with Kathleen and I sort of doing just one podcast a month, I'm ready to move into the next phase. And I don't know that the Being Boss platform is going to be a place where I don't know that Being Boss can evolve into a place where I can share this content. Maybe I can, or maybe it can. Um, but the TEDx talk will be that place. And I'm super excited about giving it. It's in August. Anyone wants to follow me on Instagram, I'll be sharing more information. Um, I'm super stoked about it. I feel like this is the most like big girl panties move of my life. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, I'm excited for you. And now that you've kind of like described it to me, like business seasonally, like I am like even more excited about it. So will it be like, we can all like watch it like live in August, right? Um, maybe live. Um, I've been talking to the organizers to see just how like legit is that? Like, can I tell everyone just to watch it live? I think they were talking about streaming it on Facebook live. Mm -hmm. Um, but it definitely will be on YouTube afterwards. So as soon as it is available, you can bet I will be sharing it with everyone who will listen or <laughs> even if they don't want to. It'll be too bad because it'll be there and I will put it in your right. face. Well, I'll help you put it out there too. So just when it happens. Awesome. Thank you. Well, you jokingly said like that TED talk and you kind of hinted at a little bit of imposter syndrome, oh, but yeah. I, I heard you in another episode talk about that a little bit, and you had such a great tip for it, which was that you said that you like to make a list of proof that kind of, you know, like, here are all the amazing things I've done. Obviously, now you can put your TEDx talk at the top of that list. Yeah. But, you know, what are, like, what what's on your the top of your list right now? Like, the amazing things, like, if someone were to be like... Emily, what is at the top of your like? I've done the most amazing things list. Like, what would they, what would they be? Oh, like a mom. I'm like, I pushed a kid out of my vagina. Right, <laughs> right. So be that. Exactly. That win. is a pretty amazing you thing. You win. Um, no. Also, parenting eleven year old. Um, I think the book 
is easily at the top of my list. And one of the things that I learned through interviewing, you know, a gazillion people's people over the past couple of years is whenever people write a book or people are authors, they've taken their ideas and they've distilled them and then written them succinctly and shared them with the world. That's a different level of expertise that you have whenever you've been able to do that. Um, and for that reason, Kathleen, though we didn't quite know that that was really the reason, <laughs> but for that reason, Kathleen and I always wanted to write books. Like we always, we've always talking about, you know, cultivating your expertise and, you know, what are you an expert at? Like being a professional has always been on our list of life goals. Um, and writing a book, whenever you can do that, that is taking your expertise to the next level. And that's something that we really realized after we wrote the book. We were like, OMG, we are like the biggest bosses now. That sounds much cheesier than it really felt. Um, but <laughs> writing the book, Being Boss, really made us dive into this content of what it means to show up and live and work like a creative entrepreneur. Um and after talking to all the people that we've interviewed, like there's just an extra little spark there whenever someone has written a book. Mm -hmm. there's, an, there's an extra bit of, um, of succinctness with which they can explain their topic. Um, so I think easily for me, the book and the, um, the following book tour and being able to meet everyone who was, you know, fans of the podcast and then the book is definitely at the top of that list. Um, but you're right. The TEDx will nudge it out of its number one spot. I think you'll just have like several gems in your little crown up there. Right? So those, are, those will all be good ones. Yeah. Last but not least, I ask everybody the same question, which is if I came to see you in Chattanooga, where would we go for queso? For queso? Oh man. Don't do you have queso there? There is nowhere here that has queso that I like. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's so sad. It's kind of a point of contention in my life where I love queso very, very much. And in my hometown, there's great queso, but I have yet to find my queso here in Chattanooga. Oh, that's sad. I'm I sorry. That's I know. Fine. The further the further north everyone goes, like, or closer to the coast, like, that's um, what I'm, everybody I interview in, like, California is like, I like white queso. And I'm like, that's not real queso. Yeah. I will say, so... I'm going to go back to my hometown, though. Florence, Alabama, y'all. Um, <laughs> Rosie's Cantina has the best queso. I dream about it sometimes. And I think that's <laughs> partly why I can't find good queso here is because nothing lives up to Rosie's. And I don't know, like, if I were to go or if a Mexican were to go to Rosie's, it'd be like, this is not acceptable, but I love it. <laughs> Delicioso. Well, it yes. sounds good. Well, then, when if you could do your TED talk back in, I'm back going for that's, that's my celebration meal is queso. Oh, right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> as one does, that's what you have after you do a TED talk is queso. Clearly, yes, yes, queso and frozen margaritas all day. I love it. All right, Emily. Thank you so much for stopping by and answering all my hot burning questions. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I told you it was going to be a good one. The things Emily had to say about imposter syndrome especially resonated with me. You know, the making a list and reminding yourself that you've accomplished big things. Like now I can add interviewing Emily Thompson of Being Boss and Almanac Supply Company to my list. But I loved all the aspects of this interview and I hope that you did too. So many great takeaways. And as always, I will link to everything in the show notes over on creativecaso.com. Also over on the website this week is a new Taco About It Tuesday interview with Amy Cluck McAllister. Amy runs Craft Your Brand, a digital marketing agency. Amy spent years as a web designer all the while side hustling, we all know how that goes, as a maker. This background gives Amy the perfect combination of talents for helping creative companies unsure of their path find the way. So be sure to go over to creativecaso.com and read Amy's full interview. 
Remember, we could and should hang out all week. You can find Creative Queso on Instagram and Facebook. And don't forget to sign up for my newsletter because I don't know if you saw the Facebook Live, but I am giving away fun stuff all summer long. Like this week is one of Vicki Howell's Yarnier subscription boxes. If you didn't listen to the episode with Vicki, go do that now because it's another goodie. Also, while you're there on Instagram, go ahead and follow me and my uh, other life at Jennifer Perkins. And you can find me at jenniferperkins.com if you're feeling crafty. Thank you again to Emily Thompson. Go and subscribe to Being Boss if you are not already. And check out Almanac Supply Company online. Or if you find yourself in Chattanooga, pop in and tell her I sent you. Thank you to Mariah Gossett, my producer, and Chris Beck for the soundtracks. And always thank you for listening and being here and hanging out with me. Don't forget to please subscribe, share, rate, review, you know, all of the things. The more people hearing these inspiring stories of all these bosses, the better. <laughs>